Thank you for listening to our new sermon series, Don't Quit. In the midst of a changing world where darkness grows more each day, Jesus is the reason we do not give up or give in. Jesus is our victory. Amen. Please take your Bibles, turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Young people, if you would like to go to your class now, you may be dismissed to the back. Sarah's in the back there to take you to the kids' church there. I don't know about you, but man, it's been good to be in church this morning. And um, Mike knew what, knew what I was preaching on, and wow, he just selected mess- songs that just so beautifully uh, go, with our, go with our text. And I'm also delighted to see little Shepherd Raimundo in the back there. And uh, we've been praying for you all over these months, and uh, I know they don't want the attention, but um, thankful for God's miracles and continued uh, touch upon um, his young life and uh, your family. Uh, but Second Thessalonians chapter number one, if you're using the Bible there in the seat in front of you, it's going to be page 1,666. 1,666. I've enjoyed our series uh, so far. We've been in a series of going through this book, and it's entitled, Don't Quit. Don't quit, and uh, the reason why you and I shouldn't quit is because Jesus is our victory. And uh, let's begin reading in verse number 10. There in your Bibles, devices, uh, whatever Um, whatever you're reading from here this morning. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse number 10, it says, When he shall come to be glorified in his saints. You remember singing about that uh, here this morning? To be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling, and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. Verse 12, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and ye in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, as we continue in this series, I want to preach a message that is entitled, Christ will be glorified in you. Christ will be glorified in you. Let's go to the Lord one more time and let's ask him to help us this morning. Father, I, I bring this message. Lord, I bring this next 30 minutes or so and Lord, I submit it to your feet. I submit it to the, to the power of the working of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that is, uh, that is in each believer here this morning and that is also Uh, working in each person, maybe to draw someone that doesn't know you as Savior. But God, I pray that, Lord, we would would glorify you in our spirit and our hearts here today. Lord, I believe that our spirit of song unto you was was one that uh, was lifting you up. And uh, God, we every song we sing, everything that we do here at Redwood, Lord, we always want to make much of you. And Father, I pray that I would do the very same now as I Try to articulate what you've placed on my heart for our people. Lord, I submit it to you to do what you desire to do and to your sovereignty. And Lord, I pray that, God, you would just bind the devil and, uh, Lord, his powers this morning through the blood of Christ so that we might 
hear from your word. And Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone here this morning has battles to face. There will be times in your life and times in my life when we get tired of that battle, when we want to throw in the white towel, when we want to quit. And this letter of 2 Thessalonians was really, first and 2 Thessalonians, was written to a group of Christians there in Thessalonica to help them to persevere under the immense pressures that they were facing. It was to help them to stay the course. It was to help them not quit. And when you and I look around the battle that we're facing, sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we get tired of the laws that they're passing or the laws that they're trying to pass. And, 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 we, and we get weary of, of fighting for the Lord. We get weary of being in His, His army, so to speak. And so in this first chapter of this book, there are several strategies for you and I to stay in the battle, for us to stay the course. We looked at how the first strategy is for you and I to exercise faith, and that faith is in a God who never changes. That faith is in a God who is faithful, and then as we strengthen our faith in Him, then you and I, the, the, the text then encourages us to, to love others. To love our neighbor, to love our, uh, to, to, to love the people that God has placed in our life and to practice that in our life. And then last week we looked at the second strategy, and that was for you and I to trust. Again, kind of goes back to growing your faith in God, but we trust a God that allows the suffering in our life. We looked at how God is a righteous judge how He is always just in the way that He brings about recompense. And we know that the message last week was predominantly about the literal place that the Bible calls hell. And that no sin will go unpunished. And, and there is a just God that is going to mete out that repentance. But, uh, of course, in Christ, that punishment is fully paid and is fully met. And so this morning, as we continue in this series, we come to the third strategy. And the third strategy to stay in the battle is to anticipate your glorious future in Jesus Christ. And that's what these songs were about here this morning. For you and I to anticipate this future glory that we have in Jesus Christ. Last week, we looked at the hardest truth in all the Bible, hell. Today, we're going to look at one of the greatest or one of the most glorious promises in the Bible. When you and I are tired of the battle, when you and I want to throw in the white flag, when we want to quit, when we want to say, I'm done with this whole thing of living for God and living right in a dark and sinful world, I want you to look up with a freshness. I want you to lift up your soul and I want you to anticipate the glorious future that awaits us in heaven. Paul is speaking about in this text the day when Jesus Christ will be revealed. We looked at this verse last week, verse number seven of our text. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. See, none of us this morning, we've never seen Christ. Oh, we believe in him. We, uh, we, 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 uh, we guide our, our lives by him. We, we walk by faith. We, we sing about him. But none of us here have seen him. But that's not always going to be the case. 
Someday, you and I, we are going to see Christ. We are going to see Him face to face. And faith will be turned into sight. And I'm looking forward to that day and when that might happen. These verses describe what is going to happen on the day of that indescribable joy of when we see Christ face to face. We'll see, first of all here this morning, you will see Christ's glory. You're going to see Christ's glory. So last week, we talked about how no one's going to see his face. Those that are sinners and that are lost and they spend eternity in hell. But for those that are believers, we are going to see Christ and we're going to see his glory. We see that in verse number 10. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Paul says to the Thessalonians, he tells those Christians that are a part of Thessalonica, he said, hey, this includes you. Those that have believed our testimony. Well, what was their testimony? Their testimony was of Christ. Their testimony was of what he has done. It was the message of Paul and those early disciples to a, really to a Gentile world. They were turning the world upside down. He says, those of you that have, those of you that have believed our testimony, that you've believed in Christ, you're going to see Christ's glory. You're going to see him face to face. And so if you are seated here this morning and you are a believer and you are a Christian, listen, you are included in this as well. I want you to try to imagine with me the entire church marveling at Christ. Okay. Take a look around and you think, yeah, this entire church marveling this morning at Christ. See, some come to church and, and they can't and they can't marvel in Christ because they've got things that they've brought in and, and they've got cares of this world and things like that. But imagine for a moment and and there, and there are legitimate cares. You, 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 you've, got, you've got issues that come our way. We're, we're in a spirit of prayer for Carla right now as she's maybe on her way to the hospital. I'm not exactly sure. But, you, but, but, but we come with the cares of this world. But I want you to imagine a perfect scenario where all of us, without agendas, without preconceived ideas of the way we think church ought to be, and we would just marvel at Christ. But I want to go to a much grander scheme. Imagine the church as a whole, not just Redwood Baptist, not just the churches that you might know of, but the church as a whole, which would be the body of Christ, all of those that have trusted in Christ as their Savior from all around the world, across every culture, Christians who have loved Christ, who have served Christ, who've worshiped Christ, who have even suffered for Christ, all of them beholding and marveling at Christ and his glory. These Christians sat in churches. They heard about him. They sang about him. And at times it seemed a bit distant. Have you ever been singing songs and your mind is somewhere else? Come on, have you ever been there? Am I the only one? Right? Sometimes, you know, sometimes we're just, sometimes the things that we sing in those songs, you know, especially maybe, uh, you know, uh, some of the older ones are just full of doctrinal truth. And you're like, man, what does that mean? And sometimes we're, sometimes we're 
not fully connected. We're not fully engaged in that worship because you can't see him. Oh, we try, right? We, 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 in our minds, we try, to, we try to behold our God, the one who can be taught nothing because he knows everything. Oh, some of those lines that were so beautiful of that song. But now, the body, the church, they're going to see Christ in his glory. And you know what we're going to find? We're going to find that Christ is so much more than the best thought that any of us have ever had about him. They're going to be saying there in heaven, I knew that he was great. I knew that he was wonderful. But I never imagined anything like this. I never imagined him this awesome. We use the word awesome so, you know, just cavalierly. We just, we just throw it out there. No, no, no. You know who's awesome? God. And I don't even know if I can fully define that word. Awesome. We live, honestly, we live in a what next type of world. Many of us in this room, we're, we're excited about watching the NBA Finals game two. By the way, Cleveland was robbed on Thursday night. That's all I got to say, okay? Anybody agree with me? Man, they got robbed. Moving on. Poor Mrs. Florendo. Uh, we, had a, we, we had a homeschooling uh, kind of thing throughout the last couple days. And on Friday, man, she didn't ask for it, but she got a piece of my Cleveland Warriors mind. And it was, just, I apologize, Mike. From the pulpit, apologize. But we live in a what's next society. Many people are going to enjoy that game. I will after uh, some other things, piano recital and things this afternoon. And we're going to enjoy that game. And guess what's going to happen after that game? The TV's going to go off. And then what do we do? What's next? Right? We live in a what's next type of society. Some people are thinking, hey, where am I going to go eat lunch today? I get that. We live in a what next society. Nothing holds us for long. Guess what? There will no, no one in heaven is going to be saying what's next when they see the glory of Christ. They're not going to be moving on to something else. We will admire him. Or in other words, we will marvel. The text says admire, but we will marvel at him and that marveling is going to continue for all of eternity. Have you, let me ask you a question, have you begun to marvel at the Son of God? Have you started to marvel at the one who took on flesh? Have you started to marvel in your life at the one who walked this earth and was sinless, and he took on our sin, and he bore that sin on the cross some 2,000 years ago. Have you begun to marvel at the man who was God, died for you, purchased your eternity, was placed in that borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, and three days later, hallelujah, rose from the grave. And you and I, we're going to be glorified like that someday. Have you begun to marvel at Jesus. Is he marvelous to you? It's a tough question, isn't it? Because I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of things that marvel me in my life. And it is my prayer that I would, in this day, which we can't quite see him, and so I understand there's at times that disconnect, but there's going to come a day where we see him and for all of eternity we marvel him. And so I want to challenge us this morning to marvel a little bit at him. Because there's going to come a day when that's all we do. When we see Christ. So we're going to marvel at him forever. We that believe in Jesus Christ 
What about you? Do you know him as your Savior? Have you believed the testimony that Paul had and those early, uh, those early believers had that Jesus Christ was the Savior of the world? But that's not the only thing that's going to happen in heaven. We're not only going to marvel at Christ's glory. Let me say, secondly, you will be glorified in Christ. Oh, we're going we're gonna to marvel at his glory. We see Christ, and it's going to be amazing. Oh, I thought you were awesome, but you're so much more than I could imagine. But secondly, we see in our text that you will as well be glorified in Christ. Look at verse 12. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only will you see Christ's glory, but you will share in Christ's glory. Christ's glory is also going to be in you. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans for I, Romans 8, for I reckon that the sufferings, remember the text, remember what Thessalonians is going through. All these people, they're suffering, okay? That the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So Paul is basically saying, if I can, if I can kind of just, you know, kind of bring it to our vernacular, what you're going through, as brutal as that may be, doesn't even compare to the amazing nature of what heaven's going to be like. So the Apostle Paul is kind of saying to the uh, to, to to these our early Christians there in Rome, and boy, I mean, you you study Rome and you study these Christians, wow, what they were going through. Paul's saying, hey, don't quit, stick with it, because there's going to come a day. When not only are you going to see Christ's glory, but you're going to be glorified as well. The cares of this world that so often control us, those are, going to, those are going to dim with your last breath or if we hear the rapture. So not only is Christ's glory revealed in us, or revealed to us, but it is also revealed in us. John tells us this in John 1.3, Behold, now are the sons of God. We are the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. So you're, you're going to be in glory, and you're going to have Christ's glory in you, and you're also going to, see, you're going to see Christ. And so what does it mean for you and I to be glorified in Christ? Well, let me just give you a couple thoughts here. You will have a body like Christ. You and I, we're going to have a body like Christ. That means that you will that you'll have no more pain. That means you're going to have no more suffering. That means that there's going to be no weariness. There aren't going to be any disabilities. There aren't going to be any more trips to the, trips to the hospital where you get that bad news. You're going to have a body that is suited for eternal life. Isn't that God's promise? God's promise was eternal life for those that trust Christ. Well, guess what? I don't know about you, but we were talking about like ages at the table this morning with some people in there and like, you know, what's old and, you know, what's not. And someone said, man, if they can go back to 35, man, I'm 37. Does that mean that I already went on the other side of what's old? Yikes. That's how I took it. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. But listen, our bodies, they're not suited for eternal life. And we got aches and pains, right? Every single week that goes by, you know, and just when we get older and older, those of you that are up in years, I'll let you define that. You're like, oh, I want to go to heaven now. Well, guess what? You're gonna, how are we going to live for eternity? Well, you get a body like Christ. I don't have time to necessarily you know, dive into necessarily all of the text of this, but when, when it says that, you and I, that we're going to be glorified in Christ, you also, you're going to have a body like Christ. This glory will be eternal. 
internal and external, all the way around. If you have a body like Christ, let me say this, you will have a soul like Christ. You will love what Christ loves. You will be able to love as Christ loves. And the reason why is because you and I, we're going to be free from all sin. And we're going to be free from every inclination of sin. The battle that goes on every single day of, don't even deny this, every believer's life is going to be done with. We're not going to struggle anymore. When, when we go into work and, 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 and our boss or, or, or some coworker is just, maybe they've had a bad day or bad night, you don't know, and they're mean and nasty to you, guess what? There's going to be no need to retaliate anymore. No inclination whatsoever for sin. Never to speak that unkind word, to retaliate in any fashion. Because the battle that goes on will cease. Let me say another thing. You will share Christ's joy and you will contribute to the joy of heaven. I, I was greatly helped by, I don't always do this, but I was kind of looking at this text and like, you know what, I, I need a little bit of, just kind of a little bit of a different perspective. Oftentimes I'll just kind of just read the commentaries and things like that. I, I'm not a big sermon reader. Um, but this particular week, I, I read a sermon by, by um, Charles Spurgeon. And it was on these verses. Now, the language is very old, okay? But the truths of it are very new in that they are very much what we need. And so Spurgeon, from his sermon, Jesus admired in them that believe, this was back in 1879. Here's what he wrote. Again, old language. By our lack of zeal and by our many sins, we are guilty of discrediting the gospel and dishonoring his name. Let that sink in. That is legitimate. Okay? But then he goes on to say, happy, happy, happy day when this shall no more be possible. When we shall be rid of the inward corruption which now works itself into outward sin and shall never dishonor Christ again. Man, I can't wait for that. Because I'll be honest with you. You take a seven-day week in the, in the life of Ryan, I'd never want that put up on those screens, and I don't think you wouldn't want yours up there either. So think of what that does for the go- to, to the gospel and to the, and, and to the name of Christ. But that's not always going to be the case. Man, we, we go to heaven, there's no more dishonoring. Just no more sin. What a day that's going to be. Think about it, what it will mean for you to fully reflect the likeness of Christ. Oh, we want it now. Oh, we strive for it now. Oh, we pray that God would, uh, that God would help us now. But Spurgeon makes a couple observations. He says, you're going to see the likeness of Christ in yourself. In heaven. And you're going to be like, is this really me? Spurgeon goes on to say, every saint will be a wonder to himself. I thought my bliss would be great, but not like this. How glorious is my Lord who has wrought this miracle upon me. You and I, my friends, you're going to be so like Christ. You're going to be so full of glory, so without sin, that you will find it difficult to believe that you are really you. I love his perspective. I don't know if we're actually going to say those things. Who knows? But man, is it great to know that there's going to be no sin in heaven. We see the likeness of Christ. 
in each other as well. John, in the book of the Revelation, he gives us some insight into heaven. He says in chapter 7, it says, After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. The first thing John writes about is the, the sheer number of the people that will be there. Christ has redeemed people from every nook and cranny of this planet. They have been drawn from every generation of history, no matter how far you go back. John has given a glimpse of the day that this gathering and says that nobody could possibly count them. What glory that will be to Christ. This brings an amazement. This brings a marvel of what is going to be like in heaven. We get so Sometimes we get so small-minded and we, and we just think about our world, our day-to-day, our family, our, our, our friends, our church, and yet this is so much better. Isaiah speaks about how on the last day, Christ is going to see the fruit that came because of all of his suffering, the fruit that came because of his death on the cross. And he tells us in Isaiah 53, verse 11, he shall see of the travail of his soul in this, in, in this chapter. It talks about how we all like sheep are gone astray, how it pleased God to bruise his son, to place his iniquity on us. That's the travail of his soul. And what does it say? And shall be satisfied. It's going to come a day. What did, what, 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 did, uh, what, what did the author of Hebrews tell us? In Hebrews 12, it talks about the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. But the joy that was set before him, what was going to satisfy Jesus? Every kindred, every tongue, a group of people in heaven that are so outnumbered you can't even count them. Oftentimes we feel like we're losing. Oftentimes we look at the landscape and we think, is this even worth it? It is worth it because heaven is coming. You can suffer today. You don't have to quit. Why? Because Jesus is our victory. Jesus secured a group of every tongue, every tribe, every kindred, every color. Aren't you glad that God is colorblind? Aren't you glad that God is colorblind? Man, I wish we were a little bit more. But I'm so glad he was. John says that Christ will be glorified by the unique difficulties that his people will endure. Verse number 14 of Revelation 7. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which come out of great tribulation. It was a vast company. We've already talked about it. You couldn't even number them. But I want you to move in a little bit closer. I I want you to see a woman that's battled depression her whole life. Who often would cry in secret. Not now. Not in heaven. I want you to see the light. I want you, I want you to see the I want you to see the joy in her face. Oftentimes we think of this these tongues and tribes and these kindreds. No, 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 no. I want you to see individuals. I want you to see a woman that is now joyful. A woman that now is pressing on and you can see in her face something that you've never seen before. One day, 
her life will change. Heaven. I want you to look over here. A, a man who's lacked confidence his entire life. He battled all kinds of fears, insecurities. Am I ever enough for my, for my family? Am I ever enough for my kids? Am I ever enough for my boss? And he just his entire life lived in fear. Not now. Now he's in heaven. There's no more fear in him. He stands certain in Christ. Stands certain. Then I want you to look a little bit further. And I want you to see someone who's been scarred by a great evil. Inflicted upon them by someone else. It troubled them. It haunted them. It dogged them all the days of their life. But not now. Now they stand in the presence of Jesus and every single tear that they've ever wept gets wiped away. Each of these people has faced unique difficulties in life. Some have endured lifelong struggles that arose out of maybe one of their temperaments or from their background or from what has been done unto them. But every case, Christ has brought them through. This is what you and I ought to think about when we're in the middle of the battle. When you this week will face struggles of depression and you feel like nobody else can know, you feel like you can't tell them, listen, there's going to come a day where you can stand in the presence of Christ and you will no longer struggle with that. You struggle with great fears. You struggle with, with what has been done unto you and be, being able to forgive uh, uh, others. Listen, there's going to come a day where you stand in Christ and all of the things that have caused the heartache, all of the things that have caused the tears, Jesus, he's going to wipe it all away. And that brings me to my final thought here. How else will Christ be glorified in heaven? How else? Christ is going to be glorified because of the complete transformation of sinners like you and me. I want you to think about it here. Last week, where did we see the sinners? Last week, we saw the sinners, and they were going to be completely shut out, right, from the presence of God. Completely shut out. But these people, these sinners... There is in the presence of Jesus. And they were sinners too. So why are they there? Why are they not shut out of the presence of Jesus? Why are they, or what are they doing in the presence of the Lord? Why are they dressed in white? Well, our text goes on to say, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That is why these people are here. Not because they've lived some perfect life. Not because they have, um, you know, done enough good deeds to uh, measure out the, or to balance out the scales to their sins. Not that they've given enough money to church. Not that they have, you know, done enough penance. None of that. They are there who are sinners in the state, in face to face with Christ. Why? Because they've been washed with the blood of the Lamb. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Have you accepted His blood that was shed on Calvary some 2,000 years ago so that you and I can be in heaven? Who's in this crowd? 
Who's in this the kindred and tribe? Oh, David, the adulterer and murderer. Moses, the murderer. Peter, the denier. You, me, and all of what we've done. This crowd will be there because they've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Christ has cleansed them. And look at them now. They're dressed in the white robes of righteousness. They're holy as God is holy. They are in his presence without fail and with great joy. The complete transformation. We sang about that. Complete in thee. No work of mine. It's the blood of Christ that you and I can sit there not in any form of arrogance, but humbly say, God, I marvel at you in your glory. Because that glory is now in you. It's a game changer. Why continue on? Because this is your future, Christian. But if you're seated here this morning, you say, Ryan, you have no clue. There's some people that I don't know. I've, I've never met before. I look forward to potentially meeting you after the service. But you say, Ryan, you don't, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what kind of sins I've committed. You don't know what my last 12 months looked like. Listen to me. If your sins are many, you have every reason to come to Christ today. And the reason why is because you and I, we only get transformed by what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. Nothing else can change that. Nothing else can clean us up. It is only Christ. And so you say, Ryan, I am a deep, deep sinner. That is a great acknowledgement this morning. Because you have a God, and you have a Savior in Christ that meets you right at your depths. And he extends his grace and he extends his mercy as your Savior. Will you accept him? Then believer in Christ, I've just preached your future. This will help you to stay the course. This will help you to not quit when you get tired of the battle, when you want to throw in the white flag. Is this worth it? Yes. This is so temporal compared to the eternity that's waiting for us in heaven. Lift up your eyes, child of God, and see Jesus this morning. Behold his glory, and behold your glory, his glory found in you. And continue to press on, because Jesus is everything. Look to him this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to give you a moment kind of the quietness here in a moment. I'll, I'll stop talking. I want you to marvel at Christ this morning. Talk to him. Marvel at what he's done for you.
might there be an individual, a man or a woman in here, every head bowed, every eye closed, that might say, Ryan, I'm not sure, I'm not sure heaven's my home if I were to die today. I'm not certain of that. But Ryan, I'd like for you to, I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you, I, I won't embarrass you for all the world. Would you just, would you just lift up your hand? Say, I'm not sure heaven would be my home. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? 